Amen, amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat, if you will. Good to see you. Good to be back with you this morning. Um, appreciate Eric last week uh, preaching the message and leading us uh, just into the importance of prayer out of Acts chapter 12. And, um, and I hope that's been something this week that uh, has been more on your mind, more mindful of just praying about the things that uh, are going on, the things that um, are on your heart. Um, the things that God wants to do. And so um, we need to be a praying people. And I appreciate him doing that, stepping in and, and taking care of that. Today, we're going to drop back to Acts chapter 11. Uh, we were in 10 a couple of weeks ago. Eric jumped into 12 to talk about prayer. And now we're going to drop back to Acts chapter 11. We're going to read the first um, 18 verses of 11. And now we're about to recap a little bit of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago out of Acts chapter 10. If you recall that, this was about um, Peter and a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. Remember, a Gentile is a non-Jew, someone who was not Jewish. And so this was about Peter, who, is a, what, who was a Jew, um, and Cornelius, who was not a Jew, and about how the gospel went to Cornelius. And, and the gospel was birthed in Jerusalem amongst the Jews. Um, the good news of Jesus was birthed in Jerusalem amongst the Jews, but it wasn't intended to stay there. It was intended to go to all people. And that's what we really see through the book of Acts. We see what Jesus told them their primary purpose was to be, to, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's what we've been seeing over the last few weeks. And in Acts 10, we saw where God orchestrated all of these events to get to the place where Peter went and proclaimed the gospel to Cornelius. Now, what we're about to read is where Peter comes back and tells the Jewish people in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers, what has happened. In fact, word about this gets back to them before Peter ever even gets there. You know how fast news travels, right? Um, and from people's lips, to, and it just, just kind of travels. Well, this news beat Peter back to Jerusalem. And so we're about to read about this account of him coming back and talking to these Jewish believers. Remember, Jews saw Gentiles, non-Jewish people, as unclean. Um, and so this was a big deal. It should be a big deal for us in here if we're not Jewish, because this is the gospel going to people like you and I. And so the Jewish people saw the Gentiles as unclean. This is a big deal. What we're going to realize here is that this really stirred up somewhat of a hornet's nest amongst the Jewish believers. And so if you will open your Bibles, go to it on your phone. However, you're going to read along. It'll be on the screen. Also, Acts chapter 11. I want to read the first 18 verses. We'll pray, and then we're going to jump in, continuing this series called Scandalous Grace. And it says in Acts chapter 11, verse 1, the apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man or of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. He said, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Some of these were considered clean by the Jews. Some of these were considered unclean by the Jews according to their 
culture and their laws. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So it's telling him, this is the voice of Jesus telling him, get up, kill, eat even these unclean things. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. And so God is preparing him for this mission to the Gentiles. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, so Cornelius had been praying. God spoke to him through an angel. He sent for Peter. Peter's now come. And so this is what he's talking about. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. So he saw the Holy Spirit on them just as he had seen, had experienced the Holy Spirit himself back in Acts chapter two. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, meaning John the Baptist baptized with water, but you, this is what Jesus said, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you, God, even for the songs we sang this morning. God, there is no name like the name of Jesus. That you have no rival, there's no equal, there's no one else who gives peace the way you give, Lord. That your peace is not based on circumstance. It's not based on the world around us. Your peace is guaranteed and sure because it's secure in Christ. And we're thankful for that, God. I thank you that you make the darkness tremble, that darkness trembles at the sound of your name, that James even says that the devil believes, he knows you're real. And that at the thought of that, he trembles. And I thank you for that, God that today, no matter what's going on in our lives, Lord, that you give us peace. God, that all things are under your authority. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you, God. Lord, today, I believe you will, and I pray you will challenge and encourage us today, God that when we leave this place today, there will be no doubt where our hope lies. There will be no doubt, God, in who we hope, and who we put our trust, and that, God, we would be a people who shine your light like stars in a dark sky, God. We would shine your light to this world. We love you, Lord, and we thank you Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Thank you that your spirit moves among us. Thank you, God, that you're here to speak to our hearts. Thank you, God, that you're here to deliver us. Thank you, God, that you're here to break chains off of our lives that hold us back, God. Thank you, Lord, that you're here today to heal. Thank you, God, that you're here today to restore relationships. 
Thank you, God, that you're here today to, to heal what's broken in each one of us, to renew our minds and to set us free from the things and the ways of the world that have been ingrained into us, God. We thank you for that, Lord, and we praise your name today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, some pretty big events taking place this week. Um, a pretty big event. The inauguration is taking place on Wednesday. Um, and I've been pretty quiet through a lot of this stuff about politics and uh, about what's going on in the realm of politics and that type thing. And so today I'm going to break that silence. And I want to tell you what I've concluded from all of this. Y'all are nuts. And so we're going to look at this today. Listen, I, I want you to understand this. I wrote down a few weeks ago a personal vision, and, and it wasn't much of a personal vision, but somebody challenged me, like, do you have a personal vision for your life? And, and I began to pray about it, and I felt like the Lord gave me three things. This is very broad. This is very across, the, you know, just very broad, 30,000-foot view. But I wrote this down as a personal vision, part of my personal vision. And this, these are the three things I wrote down. Number one. I will always fight for what is right. Number two, I'll always fight for the underdog. And number three, I will always fight to preserve the truth. It's one of the reasons I admire Jesus so much and, and, and love Jesus so much. He did those three things. It's one of the reasons I admire the apostle Paul so much he gave his life to do those three things. In fact, much of the gospel and what we know of the truth of God, Paul fought to preserve from it getting distorted. And I love that along with others, but I love to see how Paul did that. And that's what they spent their life doing. And I'll be honest with you, the last few weeks, even months, I felt pretty muzzled. And it wasn't because of anyone. It wasn't even because of fear but it was because of my own internal struggle with my own convictions, kind of trying to get my mind and heart around the truth in all of this chaos, trying to allow my own worldview to be challenged in a lot of ways. And I've wrestled through that and I've finally come to a place where I feel like the Lord has released me to talk about some of this. And it's probably not gonna be what a lot of you are thinking it's gonna be. I'm not up here to defend a candidate. I'm not up here to defend an ideology. I'm up here to defend the truth. And that's what I'm gonna share with you. And listen to me, I want you to hear this. The reason that I'm addressing this and the only reason I'm gonna talk about this today is because it's affecting the church of Jesus Christ. It's not because my opinion's been offended. It's not because the way I think things ought to be have been offended, but it's taking the church and it's dividing the church in many ways. And the church in many ways has reached an all new ugliness. The church and her testimony, how Jesus is being represented, this is the one reason and the only reason 
that I'm talking about this today. And I want to say this. This is not even really about politics. If I wanted to be a politician, I'd be a politician. But I'm called to be a prophet, a pastor, not a politician. If I want to be a politician, I'd be a politician. I'm pretty sure I could run for something and get it, right? With some of the people we elect, I could run for something. It might be for the community trash coordinator but I could run for something. But God didn't call me to be a politician. God called me to preach his word and to preach his truth. And that's what I'm going to do my best to do today. If I say something that offends you, and I'm probably going to, then this is what I would say. You take it back to God's word and God's truth. And if I'm wrong, then you hold me accountable. But if I'm right, you repent. That a deal? That a deal because... Because I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you the best I can with the help of the Holy Spirit, what I see is truth. But listen, don't, don't get all riled up because your opinion gets offended. Because I'm going to be honest, as honest with you as I can, I don't care about your opinion. I don't care about my opinion. You know what I care about? The truth. And that's what we're going to talk about. So Acts chapter 11, after that warm, fuzzy introduction, let's jump in here. Acts chapter 11, verses one and two. I want you to really kind of see what's happening here. Um, Peter has gone to this, the home of this Gentile. And this Gentile is um, saved. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. This miraculous thing happens. But think about what Peter's doing right here. Peter is on the way back to his Jewish friends his Jewish brothers and sisters who see Jews as unclean or Gentiles as unclean, who would never have gone into the home of a Gentile. And Peter, who has seen this miracle of God and you know was fired up for what God had done, he knows I'm going back to people who are not going to agree with what I've done. And he's going back to have to give an account for this. How many of you ever have ever walked into a, a, a a situation, maybe you've walked into a conversation and you knew you were going into it and you knew this is not going to be a lot of fun. This is about to be confrontational. People that I care about are about to be very critical of me. Sometimes we have those types of conversations. We have those. It never feels good. Peter is not going into this. I don't believe just going, this is going to be awesome. He knows that what he's done, listen, it goes against their ways of living. It goes against much of what they grew up with religiously being taught. It goes against what they knew in their culture. It goes against even their nationalism. The Jews were a very proud people because they were the one people who had the one true God amongst them. And there was this nationalism that was so strong in them that they looked at it and they were like, we are the Jewish people. We have the one true God among us. And there was this, this, this strong um, nationalist mindset that is, is, and this is going against that even. And so when we look at this, I want you to understand what Peter's facing. Peter goes and it says, 
that the circumcised believers, basically what that means is it's not talking about one little group. It's basically, if you read the Greek and then begin to study the Greek in this, it literally means all those Jewish believers. So when it says they were being critical of Peter, this is what we're looking at. They were coming to, against Peter. The church in Jerusalem was coming against Peter and criticizing him for what was taking place. Then I want you to understand the decision that Peter faced as he's returning to Jerusalem. The question that he had to wrestle with was, will I break ranks with my religious traditions that I've grown up with and that I've known? Will I break ranks even with the politics of how the Jewish people were governed through their Sanhedrin and through their religious leaders? Will I break ranks with the nationalism that we are so proud of and that we are so um, ingrained in? Will I break ranks with much of the culture I've grown up with? These are the questions. And then he's had to say, or am I going to live for Jesus and his kingdom? And see, God gave Peter this incredible encounter. Peter, stubborn as many of us are, he needed it more than once. He needed it more than once. So God literally gives Peter four spiritual gut punches to open his eyes to see what God is trying to show him. One, he has this vision as he's praying of this sheep being let down with these unclean and unclean animals. And God says, rise, kill and eat. And so he has this vision. He gets the command from God, go to Cornelius. Go to Cornelius, go to the Gentile family. He had the witness of this preparation of Cornelius. Cornelius had been prepared as well and he had sent these men to Joppa. And then the, the clincher, kind of the, the icing on the cake was the gift of the Holy Spirit that he saw given. And so God had worked really strongly and powerfully to show Peter, Peter, your calling now is to the kingdom of God. Your calling now is to the kingdom of Jesus. Your calling now is not to just live in this mindset that you've had as this Jewish person. Your calling now, Peter, is to live for Christ and the kingdom of God. And see, here's the thing. God did all of that, but Peter still had to choose. Peter still had to answer those questions for himself. And I want to give you a few things that Peter was realizing and things that we need to be reminded of because I want you to understand this. In our day and in our age and in every day and every age, those are the same questions that we have to ask when we come to faith in Jesus. Am I going to live um, for the kingdom of God, or am I gonna continue to exist and live for the kingdom of this world? And so Peter was coming to this realization, and these are realizations that we too must have as we seek to answer the questions and deal with a lot of what's going on around us. And the first one I want you to understand, that Peter had to come to the conclusion and had to understand this, and he had experienced this. But the first thing he had to Remember, the first thing he had to see is he had to answer the question of who saves? Who saves? He had to know that it's Jesus who saves. He had to know that it's Jesus who gives life. He had to know that it's Jesus 
who has come to this point in, in life, in my life, that has given me and brought me out of darkness. He's taken away my sin and given me a reconciled relationship with God. He had to know that it was Jesus. For some reason, somehow, guys, we've gotten caught up in all this stuff going on around us. And it's as if a lot of Christians have fallen into a way of thinking that says the government or a politician is the savior. And that's not true. Jesus is the savior. It's not Biden. It's not Trump. It's not Pence. It's not Kamala. It's none of them. It's Jesus. And that truth was the same in Peter's day as it is today. And it will always be true that there is one name under heaven by which men must be saved. And it is the name of Jesus. Yeah. And, and listen, listen, listen. I'm not up here to take a political side. I'm not up here to bash one side and praise the other. Uh -uh -uh. I think they're all morally corrupt. But this is what I will say, and this will probably tick some of you off, but that's okay. For some people, some believers, some Christians, the best thing that could happen for them is that Trump was defeated because it delivered them from a false savior. There's this thing called the gospel of Trump that's being preached in churches and it is not accurate. And there are some pastors who are even using this, this false gospel of Trump that Trump is gonna save us. And, and, and they're using this even to build their own platform, to get applause, to gain a following. Preach. But I'm telling you guys, Jesus saves. Yes. We need to be reminded of who Jesus saves. We need to be reminded of who Jesus saves. Peter just saw Gentiles saved. These were considered the unclean of the unclean. And Peter just saw the Gentiles saved. Luke recorded the salvation of Saul, who later becomes Paul. We've talked about that at length. He, he recorded this. And then he records the salvation of Cornelius and these Gentiles. And let me ask you this. Who can God not save and transform? If God saved and transformed you, who can he not save and transform? Can God not save and transform a Republican? Can God not save and transform a Democrat? Can God not save and transform a liberal? Can God not save and transform a conservative? Who can he not save? Who, who is so far beyond the grip of God that his arm is too short to save them? And yet we choose as the church to not fight. Like we sang the first song, perfect songs for today. That we don't choose to fight on our knees. We choose to fight on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You know what it says? We don't really believe in prayer. Because if we believed in prayer, we quit using our thumbs to fight with we quit using our fingers to fight with and we get on our knees and we'd be able to call, begin to call on the God who can actually change things. 
Do you think Jesus just saves Republicans? Do you think Jesus just saves Democrats? Do you think Jesus just saves liberals or conservatives or people that aren't that bad? According to our thought of bad? Well, I'm digging. I might as well just keep digging, right? The arrogance of the American church is not far off from the arrogance of the Jews in Peter's day. That we somehow think we have cornered the market on God. But let me tell you this, God is the God of the nations, not the God of a nation. We need to begin to understand what Peter said back in Acts 10 when he said, I now see that God shows no partiality, no favoritism. What if, what if in all of this mess, the church became a healing agent instead of a griping agent? What if in all this mess and all these things and from all around us, from all sides, the things that we don't agree with that we realize aren't right, what if in the midst of all that, we showed peace and calm because we do know there's no other name like Jesus and we know where our peace comes from and we chose peace and calm in Christ instead of freaking out like the rest of the world. And listen, y'all, y'all, look, if you take this as unpatriotic, then you're wrong. You're wrong. I love this nation. Greatest nation in the world. Still, still, we got a long way to go to get to God's ideal, but still the greatest nation. So don't talk to me, but listen, my dad was in the military. My granddaddy fought in war. But listen, this runs through my blood and through my veins. There's nights that I have laid awake, furious about things that I see going on around us because I see what it's doing to this nation. So don't be like, oh, Brandon. <laughs> don't start that with me. I'm so thankful for what we have. I'm so thankful for the men and women who've given their lives so we can have what we have. But I want you to understand this, that the same God who was sovereign in Peter's day in a corrupt Roman empire will still be sovereign in our day in a corrupt government. So Peter had to know who saves. He had to know who Jesus saves. He, needs to, he needed to know what saves. He needed to know what saves. You know what saves? Grace through faith in Jesus Christ, period. That's it. Grace through faith in Jesus. The Jews thought, listen, and we can go to scriptures. Go read John 5, 36 through 40. Go read John 8, 31 through 42. And you can see this. The Jews thought, that their religious, um, national, and cultural affiliation would save them. Jesus was trying to get them to see this the whole time. Your culture, your nationality, and your religion, it can't save you. There are people today who need to know that your republicanness and your democratness cannot save you. Grace through faith in Jesus is what saves. There is truth, let me say it this way, truth does not come 
with a political label. Truth does not come with a political party. Truth does not come with a politician. Truth comes through God's word and his revelation of Jesus. Listen, both sides of this stuff, both parties and every person involved, including me and you, need to remove the log from our own eye so we can see more clearly how to remove the speck from the others. Peter had to know what saves grace through faith in Jesus. Peter had to know what we're saved from, what we are saved from. Namely, our sin and the darkness of this world. If you go read Colossians 1, 13 through 14, Paul writes to the Colossian church, he says, listen, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his son, meaning Jesus, whom God loves. We have been transferred from our sin. Our sin, it says in 14, has been forgiven. We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. It means we don't belong to the worldly kingdom anymore. Our citizen, Peter even says, look, our, our citizenship has changed. It's different now. He says, we're strangers here on the earth. And when you look at this, understand, just as God delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, when he parted the Red Sea and he brought them out of Egypt, God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and our sin and brought us into the kingdom of Jesus. And this is what it tells me. Many of us are losing our minds and our testimony over a kingdom you don't belong to. And y'all, there are things I see, there are things I hear that offend me. They're extremely offensive. And I can go from zero to 100 quickly. But a while back, God challenged me. And he challenged me with this. I was wrestling with it. God, I, I know sometimes I get angry and I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to get angry about these. I don't want it to bother. I want my peace to be in you. And I was praying about it and I felt like the Lord said this. Will you trust me with your offenses? Will you trust me with your offenses? Will you trust me to be the one who has vengeance for the wrongs in the world? Will you just trust me? Will you just fix your eyes on me and run the race that's set out for you? Will you just trust me even with your offenses? Do you trust me that much? Offenses will come, but will we trust him with our offenses? The last thing Peter had to realize, he had to know, is he had to know what we are saved for not just what we're saved from, what are we saved for? And we are saved, if you go read Habakkuk 2.14, and this is the theme throughout the whole Bible, we are saved to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. 
That's our purpose, to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. But listen to me. We, 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 we need revival. There is no doubt. We need revival. But understand this and listen. Revival doesn't happen in the government. Revival happens in hearts. Revival may impact the government, yes. But revival happens in the hearts of men and women as they come to faith in Christ. In fact, the worst times for the church is when there's been no separation of church and state. Because the government and the, the, the state, which is gonna be corrupt because corrupt men began to lead it, it all gets messed up. It all gets merged together. One of the worst things, and, and this is what I see in history, is when um, Constantine made Christianity the national religion of the empire. We need to understand what's really at stake with our government. Understand that with our government, What's not at stake is God's blessing. God's a God of the nations, not a nation. It's not God's blessing. And I, I say this because God's blessing on his people, his people, his people, not a nation as in boundaries and like this one country here or there, God's blessing on his people is much more dependent on our hearts than the government we're under. Whoa, 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 but, 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 And we hear scriptures get taken out of context and all kind of stuff to say otherwise. But let me, let me, let me ask you this. Was the church in Peter's day blessed by God? Yes. Was it growing? Was the kingdom advancing 100%? They were under one of the most corrupt governments, if you want to look at it that way, there's ever been. They were being led by men who considered themselves gods. If the church and the blessing of God on the church is dependent upon the government leaders, then why is the church in Iran exploding? Because the one thing I would tell you, and I think we can all agree on, is that the leadership of Iran sucks. Why is the church in China exploding if it's dependent upon the leaders in the government? The government's awful. God's blessing on his people is not determined by some governmental structure. The question is, where is our heart with God? The church will grow no matter what. Listen, the, the growth of the kingdom is not what's at stake. You know what's at stake is our comfort. And the American church always puts comfort ahead of the kingdom. And I'm not telling you don't participate in the political process. It's one of the greatest things we've been given the opportunity to do. You need to vote and you need to pray, who does God want me to vote for? You need to look at scripture. God, who do you, who, who do you want me to vote for? Participate. But not to the point where it ruins your testimony. Not to the point where where. 
we begin to even damage the testimony of Christ. I've heard people say this a lot. Um, how many of you have ever heard this say? So-and-so, like they'll name somebody, Jim, Bob, whatever, I don't know, just a name. So-and-so, they are so spiritually minded that they are no earthly good. Anybody ever heard people say that? They're so spiritually minded, they're no earthly. And what they mean by that is that these are people who, it's almost like they live life with their feet not touching the ground. Like their, their head's in the clouds and, you know, they're just kind of, um, fluttering around all the time and all this stuff is, is going on and, and, and they just kind of are above it. And, and, and it makes sense. They're so spiritually minded, their feet never touch the ground in reality. But I would say this, I, I believe the church has a much greater issue than the people who are so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good because the far greater issue in the church today is that we are so earthly minded, we're no spiritual good. We still think this is our home. We lose peace because peace is equated with comfort. We lose peace because peace is equated with what my favorite pundit on the news channel that I prefer is telling me. Peace is lost because we lose sight of Jesus, the one who saves, the one who secures, the one who gives peace. And today, guys, we're faced with the same choice Peter had to make. I told you that at the beginning. Am I going to be driven by political, cultural, nationalistic, these winds that are blowing around me and are so strong and so hard, or am I going to live for Jesus and his kingdom? I'll participate. I want to participate. I want to see this country continue to be great. I want to see this country continue to be the greatest country in the world. I'm going to vote. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to even have my opinion. But you know what? My opinion stops where God's truth starts. We, face, we are faced with the same question as Peter, as Cornelius. But listen, neither Cornelius nor Peter were forced into a decision. They weren't forced like puppets to make a choice, but both of them made a decision to obey. They both saw and heard what God said and did. They both reflected on it and what it meant. They both interpreted it um, in light of what they had seen and heard, um, and they chose to obey. We have to go through the same process. I see and I hear what God says. I've reflected on it. I've interpreted it, and I choose to obey it. Acts eleven seventeen says this. So Peter said, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? Do you guys realize that nothing's going to stop what God wants to do? If Peter chose not to obey, you know what? God would have done it through somebody else. God is going to accomplish his purposes. I want you to hear that as an encouragement. God will accomplish his purposes. What would have hindered, not stopped, but hindered God in what he was doing in that moment was if Peter 
hadn't made the choice to obey, if Peter hadn't changed his attitude in light of what he had seen and heard God do, Peter had to take these bold steps to partner with the work God was doing. The question is, y'all, will we change some of our attitudes? We let God change our heart for some of us in some ways, including myself, some of my allegiance. Is it in the kingdom? Or are we gonna make futile attempts to stand in the way of what God wants to do? The very last verse, I love this verse. Verse 18. So when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God. When they heard what happened with the Gentiles, listen, their criticism, their griping, their complaining stopped. And you know what happened? They began to worship. They went from criticism to worship. How badly I wish the church today was known more for its worship than its criticism. The last line in that verse, the people concluded, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. God has granted repentance that leads to life. Here's, here's what repentance is. Repentance gets a bad rap sometimes because we hear it mostly from people yelling on the corner with a bullhorn. Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is a second thought that corrects a first inaccurate thought. It literally means to change mind, to change directions. And for some of us, listen, whether it's political stuff, whatever it might be. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and ask, Father, search me and know me. Where is my heart not focused on you? God, what has brought me away from you? What is it that's taken my attention off of you? What is it that's causing me to lose peace? What is it, God? And allow the Spirit of God through His truth to begin to give us a second thought that corrects that first inaccurate thought. This is not for the person next to you. This is for you. This is for me. Because this exists in every one of our lives. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a minute. I'm going to honestly let God search my heart. And I hope you'll do the same thing. I know there's things in my heart that aren't in line with God's word. I'm not a perfect man. Never have been, never will be this side of heaven but I wanna be one who's open to what God wants to do in my life. So we're gonna take a minute. I'm gonna ask you to pray. And 
Allow God to search your heart. And I pray today when this is over and we leave here that we are more of a worshiping church and less of a complaining church than we were when we walked in. I want to pray, you pray. If you want to come pray at the altar, you do that. If you want to pray in your seats, you do that. And then I want to give you some time, some silence, just to reflect. Ask the Lord to speak to you. Father, we are thankful for the good news of Jesus, that our security is found in you. Our life is found in you. And God, I love this country. I love it, Lord, I do but I'm thankful that no matter what comes, God, my peace and my security is in you. Oh God, that we would learn even more what Paul meant when he wrote those words, stand firm so many times, to stand firm in the truth, stand firm in the truth with the belt of truth buckled around our waist, with the shield of faith in place with our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The helmet of salvation, firmly strapped, Lord. That we would take the sword of the spirit and fight the battles on our knees, Lord, in prayer. How would you search our hearts today? We would leave here more of a worshiping people than we were when we walked through the doors. Because God, you are worthy of all worship and all praise and all adoration. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You take a minute. If you wanna come pray here, you come pray. If you wanna pray where you are, that's fine too. Let's take a minute and allow the Lord to speak to our hearts.